Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right. Don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple podcast as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I'm Pat Nevin. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to yet another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Uh, As always, your host, Brandon, joined by Nick and Dan. Gentlemen, Thank you for for getting up and getting after this one. It is another Chelsea women's match review. And Dan, uh, we're getting smart. We know that we shouldn't do this on our own. We're on a learning journey as well. (laughs) So we brought in someone who can help explain what's going on, educate us a little bit, and our audience so we can become more engaged in this exciting team that Emma Hayes is putting together. Well, yeah, so we had to go to someone who was actually at the ground yesterday. So Katie joins us from The Telegraph and actually going to be a part of The Athletic coming up here in October. So uh, Katie, first time cap on the show. Welcome. We're excited to have you. Oh, thank you for having me on. Yeah. Well, look, everyone, uh, Katie, like I said, has a lot of background in this. She's going to be the expert, going to fill in the gaps, especially when you're there. We know that there's a lot of things you miss if you're watching it on TV. Uh, But I do want to point that out. You can watch it on TV. NBC has picked up the rights in America. Uh, I just logged in on the app and was able to watch it while I was out and about. It was brilliant. Um, And then even the FA player was giving radio commentary as well. So the accessibility for the women's team is better than it's ever been. Like this is the time to start watching this team, I promise. So again, it was the opening match of the WSL season for Chelsea, taking on Manchester United and the start, in case you missed it, of our title defense. Uh, Dan, you like doing these three mat- three word match reviews. So really quick, Nick, uh, what do you have to say for your three word match review? We, we will get into it, but have to finish three words. That is true. That is a good one. Dan, what about you? 
So it is the first match of the WSL season for us. So I just went with starting off slow. So not not the quickest start to the season. That's true. I put room for improvement, you know, not not in a bad way, just objectively. Uh, Katie, I know we're dropping this on you. What was your kind of recap for this one to give you a, a little overview? Would you give me about 10 seconds to think about it there? Probably um, not perfect yet. That's, oh, I like okay. that. Okay. On the spot, yes, too. Because she said yet. So that means the expectation is there that this will be a finely tuned machine and clicking. Uh, so it was in the WSL uh, this past Sunday. Uh, September 7th at Lee Sports Village. Final score was United 1, Chelsea 1. Sad, sad to lose the two points at the end. But Sam Kerr getting the goal for Chelsea, Dan. I know you have her on the back of your uh, kit. Uh, and we gave you a hard time in the Community Shield for cursing her and not letting her score. So I'm sure you must be able to sleep a lot better knowing that it's not you. Well, now that there's not going to be this ongoing theme this season of the jersey curse or the dan jersey curse i feel a lot better about that <laughs> yeah i think discord still might put that on you but hey run us through the lineups real quick and then we'll get into the stats for this one yeah so uh the way that emma hay is lined up was in a 4-3-3 we had uh, telfoid come in for burger it was the main change between the the two matches that we've seen mielda bright Erickson and Anderson at the back. we saw lapolts ingle and g as their kind of midfield kirby Gail Wrighton and then Sam Kerr up top. Unused substitutes of Blundell, Fleming, Charles, Spence, and Orman. We saw uh, Harder, Cuthbert, England, and Carter all come in. Uh, point of order is that the WSL did keep the five substitutes rule, unlike the men's game. So you will see much more rotation this season. So, Katie, I see that Chelsea had about twice as many substitutes as United. Like, is that just because we have a bigger roster? Both. I mean, I think that Man, Man United were, um, they had Lucy Sunny for suspended and then a couple of injuries as well. Um, but I think that you are going to see a lot this season that Chelsea are going to have a bigger, you call it roster, we, we would call it squad over in England, um, a far bigger squad than a lot of teams because you did have, I think, Birmingham um, field, uh, Jamie Lee Napier, the Chelsea Loney, who'd only signed for them earlier that day, signed for them because their squad is so shallow. So I think it's a real problem that we have with the women's game in general over here. All right. Well, that's something to keep keep uh, paying attention to. I think, obviously, we all know that Emma Hayes is really looking for the UCL and for the Champions League glory. And having a bigger squad will help with that. Uh, from a stats line, just some high-level stuff. Chelsea was 16 shots, United's 11, five on target to their three. We had 48% possession. Uh, our, we had five fouls to their eight. They had two cautions, two offsides for us, three for them, five corners apiece. Nick, 16 shots, five on goal, little little under a third of them actually reaching target missed chances a bit of rust quality defending like this was just not what you wanted to see and i'm sure not what emma would expect even this early in the season no 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 the the 16 shots and five on target is eerily reminiscent of uh of the first team men's side uh, if you remember any of our match reviews this season um but i i think the where I would start this one is it was just a bit of a sloppy performance from what we're used to from uh, Emma Hayes side. I mean, the passing, especially through the midfield, um, I, I tweeted this at halftime and, and I would love Katie's perspective on this, but it seemed like United had a really effective press on Chelsea um, that it was making 
uh, passed out of the back a little uncomfortable and they had set up tactically to kind of neutralize the midfield three of Ingle, loopholes and G um, as to not, you know, kind of let them run the show. And uh, I think what that caused in my mind, Katie was the passing up the channels was not as effective um, at least getting there. Once we, once we kind of broke through the the press, it, it was a little bit more effective and certainly Sam Kerr has, has chances to score that she will put away at some point in the season. But uh, it seemed to me that the, the neutralizing of Chelsea's midfield was kind of the big problem on the day. Yeah, I think so. I think that's fair. And I think the better Chelsea performances that we've seen from them this season and last were the ones where Sophie Ingle and G were really able to make a difference. And I think that's where they kind of met their match a little bit, particularly in the second half with um, Jackie Gronin coming on, who's the Netherlands midfielder, who's really kind of one of United's star players. Um, and um, on a battle, who was obviously the fullback, who was up against Kirby and Mielder in the first half and sort of didn't get a look in and then reverted to giving as good as she got in the second half and was a real um, difficult kind of proposition for Mielder. So I think that them coming out tactically, attempting to not only nullify Chelsea, but having a game plan that then gave them the platform to really exploit those same areas that they'd sort of was starting to one up Chelsea and if you like um really was kind of the key for their second half success. Dan, I know I know from your your kind of perspective, you know, we've seen that I've I've drawn loose comparisons that Emma is building her team the same way Frank is. With a lot of firepower. We're focusing on attack. We're going to just bury teams. And I think part of that is when you when you're able to start with Sam Kerr, widely regarded as one of the best strikers in the world. Eaton, who came with a huge profile, we all at Chelsea know Fran Kirby and love her for everything she's done. But then on the bench, you have Bethany England, player of the season, Aaron Cuthbert, Pernilla Harder. Like, just those three names without even continuing down, it's like you can chop and change. And I think that she was um, able to make like-for-like like subs, and I think we're seeing that this is the system, this is the mold they want to play. But again, for her to be able to dip into that bench and still not get it, I'm sure she's going to be a little bit frustrated with this group uh, of of women and the fact that they just weren't able to get the second, third, or fourth goal. I mean, I think Emma said she, they should have had a few in the first half alone. Well, that's right. And I don't think you're going to find many people who would disagree with her given some of the, the shots. I think it was... I guess I look at it as a couple of issues. One, I think uh, United's defense actually was really good at uh, making it difficult for our team to kind of play into where we were looking for. Uh, I think Earps actually came up really strong with a couple of uh, key saves to kind of nullify uh, some really good attacking play, particularly with Wright and, and Kirby delivering some really nice kind of crosses or kind of balls into the, the path of Kerr. And I think the other thing that, you know, we might want to talk about is just how long this game has been away you know, when we think about it, it was when we played the Community Shield, it was 182 days since the Chelsea women's team had taken the field. This is the first game in the WSL. It's been a pretty long time coming back. And I guess how much would you, Katie, attribute this maybe to like rustiness in the fact that like these teams haven't been playing competitive football for a period of time? Like, is that something you're kind of considering with this performance? Yeah, and I mean, Anna Hayes very much said the same thing, and it was kind of a universal sentiment among all of the 
managers this weekend. I mean, Gareth Taylor, the Manchester City manager, said the same thing. And Gemma Davis, the Aston Villa manager, who was obviously City's opponents that weekend. And it's sort of a fairly common theme that we're seeing come up again. And I think you saw it with even in the men's gaming project restart that those first few games, because we had football on television like, every single day and people were saying, oh gosh, I don't remember it being this kind of slow. And it just felt a little bit different. You've got, remember women's football, um, at Lady would particularly have a very vocal crowd and quite an intimate, there are a lot smaller venues and the crowd when they get going can really feel like they're on top of you and it can be a very partisan, fiery atmosphere and that element is missing as well. So I think that there are a few things that they're sort of adjusting to not only being back, but how are they playing in these arenas that are very different behind closed doors without crowds? I think there are a few little things off the field that probably may be a little bit more disconcerting for players. So I think that there are going to be a few teething issues as we get back into sort of a full programme of fixtures and getting used to women's football being back after such a long time away. Well, the, yeah. I mean, it's been a long time away and it's kind of like they've had the weirdest break of this whole thing. Obviously, the men came back and played. The women didn't. Chelsea were crowned champions by what was like a half of a point or something like that yeah, as they like, cal- yeah, as they calculated everything out. Um, so it's it's definitely been you know, hard because I think what a lot of the pundits talked about was you don't know where in in your training model you should be. Should we be ramping up? Should we be tapering? Should we be working on technical fitness? And so now it's all kind of just hit and they're able to go. Um, and so, I, you know, you, get, you give them a little bit, right? But I can tell you the Emma Hayes expectation standards have not dropped. And so this will not be acceptable. And that is quite all right. Uh, but Nick, a player who is back this season and looking like almost a new signing, is one of your favorite players on the women's side, and that is Francesca Kirby. We love Super Fran. Uh, it's been a long break for some players. It's been an even longer break for her. We, You talked about it specifically in the last one that you know she had had her break for her health and medical reasons. This was her first competitive match in the WSL since November of the previous year, but she looked absolutely match ready. She looks hungry. She looks competitive. She looks aggressive. And it's a little bit of a different role for her. She used to be the out and out striker. Now she's playing off to the right a little bit, but she looks humble and hungry. Yeah. I mean, in, in our, in our men's preview, I make a ridiculous assertion about number of assists for, for one Kai Havertz. I think based on yesterday's performance, Frank Kirby may go ahead and just break that uh, prediction because she put in some absolutely incredible service uh, to Sam Kerr, and I think it's a trend that you kind of see continuing. I mean, she, you know, kind of in the in the glory days when she was winning uh, Player of the Season, you know, she would go on these incredible counterattacks and kind of be one on one and and have some really open field ahead of her. She was, I think, uh, played much closer yesterday, but still was able to kind of wriggle free and put in some some insane service. I, we were texting in our group during the match, Katie, that she just looks super, super sharp. And yeah. not every player necessarily was, was feeling like that, so she really stood out to us. Yeah, I would say in my report that this is not the fittest I can remember Kirby being, and with the caveat that when towards the end of her campaign last season, it was obviously cut short because she last played in November she was obviously ill and had this undiagnosed condition so she definitely obviously would look very leggy but even before that I can't remember her looking this fit and sharp and just focused with the bit between her teeth and I think everything you said is absolutely right that it's not just the assist that you were pointing out but the shoulder drops and the runs and the bits of skill and magic that you're seeing is very much the player that 
she was for them when she won the Player of the Year award in, I can't remember what year that would be now, but it's sort of like you're seeing them Kirby of old, but with a little bit extra on top as well. And I think one thing that was really intriguing for me was her link up first half with Mara Mielda, the right back, because um, I kind of felt for a while that Mielda is criminally underrated because she's sort of not discussed in the same bracket as Lucy Bronze because she's obviously not as good as um, someone who's the best right back in the world, but she's certainly kind of owned that position for Chelsea and made some really, really valuable contributions. So I think it's a shame that she's sort of overlooked in the discussions about the best right backs in the Super League. Yeah, I think the it's so refreshing to see Kirby kind of reclaiming this spot and building her way back into the side. I think any time that player is out for an extended period, you wonder what the reacclimatization is going to look like and how they put their stamp back into their game. And, you know, I think it, it's reminiscent of, of players we've seen kind of in the, um, you know, in, in the men's team. And I think, you know, who've kind of had to come back from, from long-term injuries. You know, I think we we're starting to see Golo Conte looking like he's kind of coming back to health after being out for an extended period of time. And so this is, this is as important as any new signing that Chelsea were going to make. Getting a healthy Frank Kirby back, who you know, has the not just the ability to influence the squad, but is a little bit of uh, the the torchbearer for Emma Hayes is is really exciting. It's it's just it's I don't know I I'm, I'm giddy about it. It's definitely it's you know we should all be excited that Fran is back and, and healthy, Brandon. Yeah, look, she was one of the first big players at Chelsea Women to like break through, make it on the big stage, um, was like in England campaigns, Nike campaigns. I mean, she broke through. So I think a lot of us have a deeper uh, connection with her just because we've known her for longer. Um, and so for us, it's much it's you know, it's it's like us to your point, seeing Ruben left to cheat coming back. You're like you're rooting for him just like you're rooting for her. She's Chelsea. She's been there. Uh, we want to see <clears throat> her succeed. So. Um, all right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we get back, we're going to talk about rotation, preparation, upcoming matches, the league table. We're going to zoom out a little bit and have a little bit more of a perspective. But thank you to the sponsor for supporting the show financially. We will be right back. All right, here we go. Back in it. Rotation, preparation, or dot, 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 since you can't read the script. Uh, once Man United scored, as you put it in your article for The Telegraph, Katie, with nonchalance that would have been comedic were it not so impressive, Chelsea responded by summoning off the bench last season's WSL Player of the Year and the world's most expensive female player in Bethany England and Pernilla Harder, respectively. Katie, how difficult do you think it will be for Emma to land the right lineup week to week given the abundance of talent she's blessed with? And I know she's come out in the public and said... She is blessed to have this problem. It is not a curse. If there was any manager I would sort of back to be able to solve that issue, and it is a very nice issue to have, it's not sort of a curse or anything like that, it would be her. And I think for the reason that she is very tactically astute and has for several years, I think, managed a, a kind of, physically last season, the combination of Bethany England, Sam Kerr, Guru Wright and G, knowing how to play those together and how, to structure them so that they feed off each other's strengths. And I think it's quite telling that we saw um, the beginnings of a really fruitful partnership last season between Sam Kerr and Bethany England. And now the first two games of this season, we've seen um, Frank Kirby and Sam Kerr linking up really, really well. Um, so I think that that's probably a good indication of how she reads the game and how she understands her players' strengths and that she's been able to take two very different players in Kirby and England and structure them in a way that, creates opportunities for Sam Kerr and really plays but to Kerr's strength so I think that she's probably the very capable of doing that I think another thing that's going to be very instrumental to that is 
how she sells the Chelsea vision to the players. Um, and I think we've seen that in the last few years. She's had a very clear plan of what she wants to do in terms of growing the women's game. And she's talked extensively before about how when I started at Chelsea 10 years ago, I only had a chair and a desk and now I've got this big training complex. So I think her vision and her strategy for the game um, in that sense is, is very key for getting players on board. And you hear from a lot of players who were at the club and not just kind of one that you're having off the record chat. So they're not even consciously bigging them up in interviews, but just the amount of care and facilities and services you have access to at Chelsea is just so streets ahead from so many clubs around the world and I think incorporating plays into that plan is key and you've even heard Penny Harder said that this week that the big thing was Emma here saying we're going to win the Champions League and we want to win the Champions League and we want to be the best team in Europe so I think warping plays into that vision and really getting to buy into that vision is going to be just as key as the amount of game time they get and the amount of minutes they end up with at the end of the season. One of the things that I'm kind of interested on your perspective on is just uh, getting to see harder play yesterday, even in substitute kind of in person. What what was your take on how she fit in the squad? I think we saw the one uh, off the ball run where she let the ball kind of track ahead and you know, I think it's always nice when you have a player who doesn't have to receive the ball at their feet, but actually can kind of run mm-hmm. up to the ball and kind of pick it up and attack. What, what was your opinion on her performance yesterday, kind of just jumping right in? And, and what does her signing, I think, reflect for kind of Chelsea as a whole and maybe the, the WSL? Um, I mean, I think it was a live, it was only 10 minutes. So that's obviously the difficulty <laughs> of judging it. It was, it was such a short, almost cameo appearance. But I think it was a lively spell and you did sort of see the makings of the runs that she makes at Wolfsburg and some of the way that she worked the channels was very typical for Neil Harder for anyone who's sort of watched her at length. Um, and I think the one chance that she had, she sort of slid in at the back post. I don't think she made contact with the ball, but that was very typical, I think, of a lot of the goals she scored against Glasgow in the Champions League were those kind of really nice runs and then opportunistic strikers finishing. So she's a really nice blend, I think, of a poacher and someone who can be involved really extensively in the build-up play. Um, in terms of what it means for Chelsea, I think it's something that we've all sort of discussed um, in articles and on Twitter and the same sort of line that everyone else has been going with, that it just really um, reiterates, one, how much the WSL has grown and how the WSL is a real place to be at a hotspot for a lot of players around the world. And they said that a few years ago, I think Emma has predicted that when Barclays came on board as, as title sponsors for the WSL and made a massive huge investment that this is one of the only the earliest professional leagues in the world and um, was going to really be a nice hotspot for women's football and for players around the world and I think you're starting to see that I think it's from Chelsea's perspective a real assertion of what they want in the Champions League now that they came plus they've had semi-finals before but they've never kind of got there and gone all the way and become the best team in Europe so I think for them to stockpile talent with the likes of Sam Kerr and Peniel Harder you are looking at a squad that's probably the only one in Europe that can really man-for-man rival Leon's in terms of just the personnel they have on board. So now it's a question of can they go one further and outplay them in over two legs or in a final in the Champions League? I like the sound of that. <laughs> let's, let's do <laughs> that. A, a, a quick follow though, Katie, because I think for for fans who, who might have just tuned in yesterday who didn't watch the, the Community Shield, Beth England not getting the start in two straight matches uh, probably would, would ring the alarm bells for some folks. Do you think that this is a conscious, you know, building of a second 11 
just due to fixture congestion and, and the fact that there's so much talent on the squad? Or do you think that just right now she's just not a kind of starting member of the squad? Do you have any indication? Um, I think from what I've heard, it was that she had an appendix operation um, on the extended off season. So she's just kind of a little bit shy of that full fitness that sure. Kirby and Kerr and everybody are firing at. So I think it's probably not something that we can draw a conclusion from yet would be my um, comment on that. Okay. Well, fair. Um, <laughs> that, look, uh, I know it's I know it's early season, all right? But we do have to look at the table, okay? It, we're not predicting anything off of this. But as it stands, uh, remember, there are 12 teams in the WSL. Arsenal are on top. Everton second. Brighton and Hove Albion third. Manchester City fourth. Chelsea fifth. United sixth. Tottenham seventh. West Ham eighth. Aston Villa nine. Brigham and City 10, Bristol City 11, and Reading 12. Again, one match has been played. A lot of goal difference in alphabetical order, splitting teams between all of the table. Uh, but look, I think, Katie, is it fair to expect it's usually the Man City, Chelsea, Arsenal show at the end of the season? I think so, yeah. I mean, you could, on yesterday's performance, wonder if Manchester United are going to break into that top three, and that's the big challenge for them this season. But even I think you can make a lot of allowances for yesterday's performance. I think with it being the first game back, Chelsea won't be the only team that we've seen and thought they're not at full pace yet. Um, I'd be very surprised if it doesn't finish Chelsea champions and then I always switch between Arsenal and City uh, for second. But I think based on yesterday's performances of the weekend, I would put Arsenal as second. But I think a lot of people sort of underestimated them because they didn't strengthen, I think, with the depth that, um, Chelsea and City did but then I think you saw their performance at the weekend that it was a reminder of the talent that they do have and just how wise the players that they brought in were in terms of fitting with what they've already got. How exciting is it from a perspective of watching you know we, we're seeing uh, players that we root for in our U.S. Women's National Team make the move with kind of saying they're not going to play in the NWSL season. They're going to opt out, and they're making the move over to the WSL. Uh, we saw it with Rose Lavelle. We're potentially going to see it with uh, Press and Heath potentially going to United. I know you mentioned that Short was a little short in her response on whether that was or was going to happen yesterday. So how... And maybe just as someone who's covering the game and covering the WSL, like how exciting is that um, to see this kind of movement at, at this moment? And what do you think that means for the the league? Um, yeah, I think everyone was saying with kind of no hyperbole or exaggeration that this is sort of the best, strongest on paper WSL that we've seen. And certainly between that top three, I think it's going to be closer than it's ever been before. Because um, last season was room was really close. And now they've kind of added so much stardust with the names that they have brought in. Um, so, in, in, from our perspective as journalists, I think it's the most exciting season. I think the only lingering worry for us is whether those top three, whether is whether you're seeing kind of a divide emerge because those top three are then ahead of the next two in Man United and Everton, who are then slightly ahead of Spurs West Ham, who are then slightly ahead of the ones underneath that. So, that's we kind of have always said that it's a league with real competitive balance, but I don't think the top three have dropped many points in the last few years or lost to, I, I think there's someone told me the stat and I can't remember, but I think it's that they haven't lost to anyone outside of the top three um, for sort of the last three or four years. So it's that kind of competitive balance in terms of who's rivaling them have sort of um, starting to win a little bit. And it's really sort of up to United and Everton to upset the apple cart as it were, or the, the kind of order of things at the moment. So that's the worry for us, but 
in terms of those top three and the amount of international. I mean, it's been unprecedented for us to watch Australia and America all want to buy viewing rights for the league and for people tweeting saying we're watching in this country and that country. So the kind of global appeal of it, and um, we never expected that um, this quickly, particularly on the back of a summer where there hasn't been any women's sport because of coronavirus, for it to come back with this much of a bang. I think it's been real relief moment for a lot of us. Awesome. I appreciate that perspective for sure. Um, I guess we're spoiled. Like they're they they're here. We're used to them playing. We're used to them being amazing. So it's cool to see um, them kind of trying out another league and, and and coming over to England. Obviously, yeah. I'd be interested to hear from your perspective, having asked me about the English side. What do you think plays like Rose Lavelle and if they come press and Heath will bring to the WSL? Because we've only seen them in World Cup matches and she believes Cup games. There's people who have seen them a lot more closely in the NWSL. What can we expect from them? I mean, Nick, you I think while we all followed the Women's World Cup, I, I definitely think you have the closest kind of sense on that yourself. I, I'll let you lead. So, yeah, Rose Lavelle is by by the next World Cup going to be our best player. Um, I, I don't necessarily think it'll be that close. She's supremely talented, can play as a deep running eight. She can play as a 10, um, obviously scored a fantastic goal in the World Cup final that, that most people will remember. So uh, she is a, a prime talent, uh, along with Sam Mewis, who I think is criminally underrated, moving to City. Those are two good players uh, that came to the league. Uh, Tobin Heath and Kristen Press are, are more experienced, uh, longer-running internationals. Uh, Press is kind of a Obama-yang, better off the wing, uh, but can play as a, a lone striker. She has a fantastic shot on her, uh, really powerful shot. Um, and then Tobin Heath is the most skilled women's player I've ever seen. Uh, really that good. On, on the ball, she is absurdly talented um, and does Rabonas for fun in games. I mean, she's she's going to be a hell of a lot of fun to watch if you're a Manchester United fan. Uh, so yeah, the the profile of these players is you know these are some of the best of the best of the best that are coming through, and uh, it should be a lot of fun. <laughs> I mean, I Dan, I agree. Tobin Heath has just buckets of swagger when she's on mm-hmm. the field. Her confidence, she knows that whatever she wants the ball to do in her mind, her feet can do it, and it's wildly impressive. I'm personally a huge Christian Press fan. Um, but that's because I think she just is one of the most tireless workers, will do whatever the team needs, and to Nick's point, can still smash one in when it's needed. Well, I I think it's interesting because we, for the last year, have been the beneficiaries of getting to enjoy watching our countrymen and Christian Pulisic play for Chelsea and have had to you know, have had one up on our fellow Americans because we could be like, ah, you kind of have to root for him to at least be good here so that it brings an influence back to the, the men's national team when he plays because you want to be a good form. And now it's a little bit of the opposite because, yeah, I think, I, I love, you know, Rose Lavelle is probably my favorite. And so having to want her to do well at City but not want City to do well enough because I want Chelsea to win is the inverse of that effect. And so it's going to be really weird from a a rooting perspective, because I think we're going to be rooting for all of these players to do extremely well, uh, not just to, to help the the WSL kind of improve on a global stage, but when the, you know, next women's world cup kind of, you know, gets ready that they've kind of grown from this international experience that, you know, some of them are getting for the the first time. And so I, I, yeah, I, I think we're, 
we're excited. It's not often that you know America has been able to uh, export our talent in the global footballing community, and so this is a really nice uh, opportunity, I think, for a lot of people maybe to get used to these players outside of you said, uh, Katie, like the she believes or the uh, the the World Cup scenario. Really weird for us as well because we were used to for a long time our best talent going over into the college system so to then see that come back the other way and have players even the ones who have come on short loans like Jess Fishlock and Rachel Daly is quite it's just a bit of a strange thing to get used to you a bit like oh whenever you see one it's a bit of a, a bit of a surprise but yeah it's good it's good fun I yeah it's weird for us we're so desperate for our league to succeed I think we should also say that for so to have some of the best players go um, but at the end of the day we want the players in the best system to develop to become even better to raise their profile to them to be able to you know yes just take care of themselves and their families like they should be and and in the pandemic you can't fault anybody for making the decisions that they're making right now i mean it, that's kind of the under undercurrent for all this is is look i mean it's a it's a tough situation if you don't have a bubble in the states right now it's it's hard to play matches without uh you know kind of the the risk associated with the coronavirus so uh yeah you you cannot fault anybody for making the best decision for them and their health no chance all right well before we wrap we do need to remind you all that chelsea women's next match will be on september 13th against one bristol city katie i'm not gonna lie I know nothing about Bristol City women. <laughs> I don't know if they've been in the league for a long time. If not, all I know is that right now they currently sit in 11th out of 12th. Mm -hmm. What should we be aware of heading into this match? Uh, yeah, I think they had a really difficult season last year. The season before, I think they were sixth, which was kind of a record high for them. And then it all sort of tailed off last season. And I don't know if that was a big dip for them or that was them kind of reverting to their level, but they just had some really heavy defeats and were really struggling at the bottom um, and a few seasons ago we saw them really going toe-to-toe -to -toe and stealing points off Manchester City and really having a say in the title race because they were getting points off the big three and really causing troubles for them but I think now you've sort of seen that win slightly a little bit so I'll be very surprised if they are the side that they were a few years ago I think that this is perhaps the, the game where we really see Chelsea turn a team over because this is the club that lost was it 11-1 to Arsenal when Bibi Miedema got two hat-tricks or and four assists or whatever it was that you got in that ridiculous game. Um, <laughs> so it is a team that I, th I think that I don't think they're the weakest in the WSL. I think there are certainly teams that don't have the strength that they have and are, are weak, um, far weaker than they are. But I think it's a team that I do sort of fear for coming up against the side like Chelsea. All right. So we should... It's, it's, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good when the tagline is you, you fear for that side going up against Chelsea. That... <laughs> Look, I think then we can kind of take our point build let's we, we gotta add three nick and get to four and and then continue to just build and build and build from that of the season but i guess better bristol selfishly than arsenal for example there there is no margin for error in this league uh, so you you really have to put the teams at the bottom of the table away and focus on the four matches that you're going to have coming up against City and Arsenal throughout the season and, and ensure that you can kind of take maximum points there. So uh, I would expect that Chelsea will do the business. Perhaps this is a chance for Sam Kerr to get an actual hat trick instead of a missed hat trick. So very excited about that. I think that's right, though, what you were saying about you've got to take points off of everyone because it's such a tight league. I mean, with 12 teams, 
what we have seen in previous years is that the teams that have lost out in the title are not necessarily the ones that have lost out in the heads-to-heads up against the big three. It's the teams that have failed to take points off the Bristols, the Reddings, the Birmingham's, the, the sort of teams down at the bottom that you need to win against, but that have given them really, really tough games. Yeah, awesome. Well, Katie, thank you for jumping on the podcast, sharing your knowledge. We appreciate it. We're looking for more awesome resources like you. So we'll definitely be sharing out all of your Twitter and and the articles and things like that as we get it, just to make sure people can go dive into your work. So again, thank you. No, thank you for having me. It's been good fun. Ah, we appreciate it. Another (laughs) win for the Americans that we're not not messing it up. We're we're getting in there. No, we appreciate that. Dan and Nick, obviously, gentlemen, always appreciate having you on. The listeners, you are the best part about it. So tweet at us, comment on Instagram. If you're in our Discord, you know we have a Chelsea women's thread. And that discussion was hopping yesterday during the match. Was loving to see it. So if you're looking for a group to talk about Chelsea women with, we've got one. So that's going to wrap us up. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.